Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. Most of these programs tell the story of our church as we feature interviews with our members. Right now, we're in the midst of a series at this time, following up with our pastors who've been teaching through the topic, Speaking Truth in a Season of Uncertainty, each Wednesday night via live stream. We'd like to invite you to join us for our live stream service this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church. We begin Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. You can visit our website, hbcguam.org, to find out more. That's hbcguam.org. This week, Acts 11, verses 1 through 30, the first Christians. Let's begin today's harvest time by introducing Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. When we began this series in the book of Acts back in the fall, I probably would have said at the beginning that I would be looking forward most to a couple of key chapters, especially at this time in the life of our church. But Acts chapter 2, I think, is so practical about how the church is defined. And then I've always loved Acts chapter 11 and the introduction to the church at Antioch. So we're coming to Acts 11 and the first few verses of the chapter really are a continuation of the conversation about the gospel going beyond the Jewish people to the Gentiles. And so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But then the last part is Barnabas then going to a group that had begun to form in the city of Antioch. And there's a couple just really awesome verses. In fact, I'll give you a quick head start on them. Verse 23 says, Barnabas' encouragement to the people there is that he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And I've loved that for a long time. I think it's a great theme of anybody who spreads the gospel. If we would be known by this, that our encouragement to people would be foundationally that they would cleave to the Lord. So we'll talk about that. And then really the, the theme, the reason the title is The First Christians is in verse 26. It's actually what it tells us that the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So before that time, they were called all kinds of different things. They were called people of the way, and but they became Christians, or termed at least for the first time Christians there in Antioch. So I think there's some really awesome, great thoughts and encouragement and challenge to us from Acts chapter 11. So we would invite people to join in with us via the live stream at 1030 this Sunday. Well, I'm really glad to have Dr. Yoshirato with us for this edition of, of Harvest Time. And as Chris mentioned earlier, we have been doing this series on Wednesday nights, Speaking Truth in a Season of Uncertainty. And this is the last one of the series proper. We're going to continue having some conversations about it in the coming Wednesdays. But we had eight weeks of just our pastors dealing with some topics that we thought would be very important and We've come now to this topic on kind of a worldview, overall perspective of uh, COVID-19. Well, first of all, Yo, welcome to Harvest Time. Glad you're with us. Yeah, to be here. Dr. Yo has been part of Harvest for a long time. He's on our pastoral team, uh, very involved in teaching in Bible College, Harvest Baptist Bible College, also does some teaching in in the academy, leads a Japanese Bible study group, just a, a lot of different things that he does in the church. 
came here first. We don't have time for your whole testimony, but came here first as a high school student to the academy. Back in 88. 88, okay. Came to know the Lord during his years here in high school, went away to college, Bible college and seminary, and eventually God called him back here. And how long have you been back on campus serving on the team? Ten years. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're so thankful for the depth and the uh, spirit that Dr. Yo brings to our faculty, for sure, but our pastoral team. And you're getting married this summer, right? Amen. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a wedding's supposed we're to be in Japan. For that. Yes. Yeah, so we're excited about that. His uh, fiance, Makuni, would be coming back at some point, hopefully, uh, back to Guam, and they'll be serving here together. So we're all. Everybody's excited. None more than Dr. Yo. I know that, but uh, everybody else is excited about that as well. Well, let me ask you some questions. I really appreciated right. both your study I'm and uh, yeah, your thinking through of a, of a pretty important topic. It's it's really a big overview of some things. Mm. But you know, the question that you sent out in the article, the blog post originally was, who is responsible for COVID-19? I thought that was an interesting way to come at it. And you said there's some wrong ways of thinking. Can you just give us a foundation of that? I think it's a good place to start this conversation. Yeah, uh, of course, there are many wrong answers and one right answer. But I just raised two most representatives. And one is uh, minimize God's greatness, that God is not sovereign. God is not um, control, absolutely control over everything. But somehow on the same level as the rest of the creation, struggling with evil and trying to bring out good as a result. And the other error is to minimize God's goodness, that God does not involve himself with what he created. From Greek philosophies, those philosophers had a hard time imagining this perfect being can relate himself with something that is imperfect. Uh, Because if perfect being is involved with the imperfect being, it is no longer perfect. And love requires change. And change means uh, from, you know, perfect to imperfect. Uh, So uh, people have always had a hard time. Those philosophers, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Philosophers always make things more complicated. (laughs) And uh, so... They minimize, they, they deny that God has any relationship with the rest of, uh, outside of, him, of himself. And one such philosophy that was very popular in the U- U.S. in 1700, 1800 was deism. And they, they portrayed God as an old clockmaker who would build a clock and wind the, whatever that is, <laughs> the yeah. device. And wind just it up. Set, yeah, mm-hmm. set it up on the counter and never get involved with whatever what happened happened here. after he set it in motion right yeah yeah he, he's he's watching from outside but not really getting inside the clock so i i think those two minimizes or really denies god's greatness and god's goodness and those are the fun, fundamental doctrines about god let me back up a little bit to the first one you described it in the article as uh, sort of the Star Wars analogy, mm-hmm. kind of a cosmic struggle that happens between the a good, you know, the good force and a bad force, 
kind of this whole picture of this cosmic struggle. There is, in some ways in the Bible, a cosmic struggle, right? I mean, Ephesians talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So what's the distinction between that, if someone might call it cosmic struggle, and what you're talking about in this, you know, kind of good force versus bad force idea? Mm, Great question. Um, The way I think of it, a picture, is God is the author of the great story, and everything else is in that story. So we are in that story uh, struggling with evil and uh, evil forces, and that is not just physical. Um, Our battle, as you said, is a um, spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. Um, So we struggle, but... God is not struggling. Right. Uh, God is the author of it all. And God has foreordained all things to come to pass from the beginning to the end. Can I give you one illustration, an analogy? Yeah, sure. Thanks. When I was watching, you know, the, the Ring Trilogy by Tolkien, mm-hmm. I was really struggled. I was frustrated, actually. You know, why, why should this little two, two little uh, hobbits... Spoiler alert, sorry. Uh, <laughs> carrying the rings and all the way to the Mount, what is the Mordor? Yeah. And as I, as, as I was watching, and I was a little f- somewhat familiar with the story, that there are some creatures who are not influenced by the ring, right? Mm-hmm. Like Tom Bombadil or the eagles. So I said, why, why don't they just take one of the eagles and carry the uh, ring and just dive it into the lava and, you know, just save thousands of lives and sacrifices. Mm. But of course, that wouldn't make a good, good story. <laughs> the story would be over, yeah. yeah. So much for the trilogy. And, and you know, when, when all those uh, betrayals and evils acting in the story, no one is saying, why you token, you such an evil author, why would you allow this character to die? Right? Uh, but at, at the end of the story, everybody is praising the author. I think of God's relationship with the world is somewhat like that. Of, of course, analogy breaks down so, somewhere. Sure. But um, God is not in time. God is on a different level. Yes, he is heavily involved. He is intimate with us. But on a one sense, he is the author. He has foreordained from the beginning to the end. And we are struggling. And God is on our side. God is empowering us. But he is not struggling. In the same sense as we are. Yeah, very important distinction. We struggle, but it's not as if God is struggling and there's some chance that evil will someday overcome. God is in control. He is sovereign, and and we can get mixed up in, in our understanding of that. So if those are you know two of the big you know wrong ways of thinking about God, and, and we'll talk at the end about how this affects COVID-19, kind of this cosmic I, struggle idea and deism, if those are not right, what, what would be the right view of God? What's a biblical view of God? And, I, and you already mentioned this quickly, but a, a good overview of that. Sure. God is God. God is the creator. God is the author of all things. God is great. And God is good. And as I said in the article, since God is God, he has the prerogative to set what is right. He is the standard of what is good. And everything in the Old Testament, we read all those laws, Ten Commandments, and very detailed instructions about how to apply those Ten Commandments. But everything 
is a revelation of who he is and his good character. And he is the one who defines what is good. And what he does is always good because he is good. And God is great. He is holy. He is unique. He's not like us. He is not touched by sins. He does, he does not author sin. He does not tempt anyone to sin. He, neither can he be tempted by sin. And he is transcendent. He is above, victoriously above our sins and our weaknesses. And so uh, those two fundamental truths, God is great and God is good, are fundamental in our thinking and in our behavior, in the way we interpret things. Because we have theology and we have experience. And those two things often contradict. Mm -hmm. You know, God is good and then how come bad things are happening? you always want to interpret the bad things in light of God's goodness and God's greatness. And if we lose that focus, we, we lose hope. There is no other hope. Sometime, you know, along my path of trying to process these things, I, there was a sort of a mental breakthrough for me mm. when I came to the spot of realizing, and this seems, I think the most significant things for me about the theology of God are the and when we come to really realize the simplest things, really what you're saying, God is great and God is good, is so fundamental and so important. And if we understand what that means, it really gives us a big picture. And I probably would add to that for my own thinking. I came to the spot where I realized that, and you just said this too, but God is not like us. Mm. And that produces for us as humans part of the struggle, but, but ultimately it becomes you know, the answer, at least for me, so the struggle is God is not like us, and therefore when I think through life and circumstances from my viewpoint, a lot of things don't make sense. There's some pieces that I can't put together because I, there's some things that are unfathomable for me. Mm. And when I realize that God is not like me, and that's a good thing yeah. because nobody wants a God like me. <laughs> And so at some point when I know that he's ab above and beyond any type of thinking that I have, it's, it actually c can become, a, instead of the frustration that it is on the surface, it really becomes part of the confidence that I have, that God is able to understand, and he's thinking beyond, and his control and his power is way bigger you know, than I have. And so that's, that's always been helpful for me. Yo, so how does our thinking about God affect us? You know, that's kind of bringing it down to the practical parts of this, but these foundational theological ideas about God, how does it affect our thinking? Well, our theology always shape, shapes our behavior, ultimately. And um, when we lose focus of the biblical picture of God, we lose hope, as I said. And, you know, when, when God is not great, when, or God is not good, then we have to, we, you know, human beings, we have to solve all the problems. Mm. I think that's why many people uh, tend to get so overreacting to every thing that they disagree with because they feel like the well-being of the whole world is on their hands, up to them. And uh, in a sense, of course, we want to be responsible and uh, we want to be faithful stewards of what God has given to us and freedoms and resources. But um, we have to have this fundamental, solid ground on which we stand. Everything we do is because of who he is. Uh, 
if we lose the view of God, okay, we, we might be moral, but why do we have to be moral? All of a sudden, there is no standard. There, there is no standard of good and bad. Uh, there is no, you know, purpose, eternal purpose. If God did not create us uh, in, his Im- in his own image, uh, then why is murdering wrong? Why is it wrong to take somebody else's advantage, uh, advantage over somebody for your own gain? And so uh, the view of God is the fundamental standard f- of everything we do and think and the source of our security and hope. And everybody has a theology of God, right? Mm, yes. And uh, I think some people might, you know, even non-Christians would kind of put themselves in this, you know, maybe I don't, I don't think about this. I don't have these, these views or these things that I'd write down that might be my theology of God. But, but everybody does view God in some way. Even if you don't believe in God, that's your theology, right? right. That's w- mm-hmm. Theology is what we believe about God. Mm-hmm. And everybody has some sort of theology uh, about God, even if they've never processed it right. you know, in a, in a clear way. And what you said I think is so important, and that theology does impact everything uh, about how we behave and act. Uh, it was Tozer, I think, that said, well, you believe about God is the most important thing about mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that really is mm-hmm. foundational because it affects every part of it. I think you said a little bit earlier that God is good. And in your article, you said God is good to all. Mm. What do you mean by that? Uh, well, God is good even to the wicked or those who do not know him or acknowledge him as God. In one sense, God is good to all in, in the way that, you know, we all have air to breathe. God brings sunshine and rain upon uh, the good farmer and wicked farmer. That is called common grace. Mm-hmm. And God created us human beings in his own image. Although the image of God is marred in us, but it's not completely destroyed. And there are some redeemable qualities in each of us because of that image of God living in us. And God is desiring, God is patiently waiting for all to come to repentance. And so God is good to us, to all. As long as we have breath, we have hope to trust in God. And God is waiting patiently for that. And that's why he's, uh, I believe, in one sense anyways, God is good to all. Yeah, this is so helpful, and uh, I really appreciate your thinking through these things. Let's, uh, we've got just a couple minutes left. This foundational theology of God, let's make it real practical and just ask these questions. You know, so how are we supposed to view this COVID-19 situation in light of how we view God? I mean, that's kind of the foundation that you've given to us. Let's, let's just uh, make it practical. What's that mean for us as we look at COVID-19? So instead of being frustrated, you know, where, where this COVID-19 come from or whether, you know, you know, the government leaders' decisions are right or wrong, how they responded. When we have the solid belief that God is in control and he is carrying out his will purpose, and eternal purpose, of course, once again, we want to be responsible with the privileges that we have. But uh, we don't have to be struggle, struggling and frustrated and, you know, tossed to and fro by the every wind of frustration. 
but we have solid ground to stand on. We can bank on the fact that God will bring victory, ultimately. So, in light of that, last night we talked about what is our response? What is God doing? And if God has a definite purpose in bringing this plague, then what is, it, what is the outcome that God is desiring? I think one of the most important responsibilities that we have in light of this is to reevaluate how we live mm-hmm. and um, uh, really repentance and humble ourselves before the Lord and um, seek to be right with God and seek to live, in, live a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. So that is, I think, the responsibility that we have. Yeah, I think it's such a great way to kind of put a capstone on these eight weeks. In some ways, as you're, both as I read your article and then as I listened to you last night and even in the conversation today, I thought, you know, this conversation is foundational for all the other pieces. I mean, when we talked earlier about, you know, how do you handle fear? How do you handle anxiety? Mm -hmm. And and these same topics came up, you know, kind of foundation in those ways, but those are based on what our view of God is, these foundational ideas. When we talked about sickness, <laughs> when we talked about security financially and in our economy, all of those things at the very foundation of all of them is a right view of God, which gives us the, the ability then to think rightly about all these other things. So it, it uh, I think it's both, you know, the uh, an important idea that, that weaves its way through each of the conversations we've had for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. But I think it's absolutely right to to finish the eight weeks with coming back uh, to this just very clear teaching that, you know, sets our direction. So thank you for leading us to the scriptures and for your clear teaching on this, Dr. Yo. Thank you. Praise the Lord. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, at this point in the program, we always want to invite you to join us for our live stream this weekend. From Harvest Baptist Church, we begin Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. You can check out our website, hbcguam.org. If you want more information, hbcguam.org. This week, Acts 11, verses 1 through 30, the first Christians. Now, we also do carry that Sunday morning live stream here on 88.1 FM or on khmg.org. Thanks today for listening to Harvest Time.